Amen. Would you take your Bible with me? Go to Isaiah chapter 9. I want you to see uh, where some of that song comes out of. Jesus truly is the hope of every single age. And uh, we're going to lean into that truth just a little bit. I debated as I was working on this song, the fellas and I were working on this song, and uh, debated which one of those titles I really wanted to highlight. And uh, there are so many in the Bible, uh, titles and promises and uh, uh, kind of character traits that Jesus would come and uh, promises that he would fulfill. Uh, I thought about going to Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2, and you can look there. Uh, the kids' choir actually uh, quoted Isaiah chapter number 2, verse number 13 and 14, I believe. But Isaiah speaks of a great light, and we just sang about that. Isaiah 2.9 talks about that the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the, uh, uh, the light shine. We, we think about in that song that Isaiah's great light, or we think about the offspring of Abraham, and uh, the promise that Abraham would receive uh, a, a, an heir that would come through his lineage that would bless the entire nations. We think about in that song the blessing of Jacob. We, we read recently in Hebrews chapter number 11 about how Jacob blessed his sons in faith, knowing that a Messiah would come through them that mighty lion of Judah, that strength of Judah as the song we sang, or David's true son. And like I said, I, I, I pondered these different titles from my particular, this particular song we sang. Uh, Haggai chapter two, verse number seven, talks about how Jesus is the desire of the nations and how when he comes, he'll bring that final promised peace, promised salvation, God with us. And again, these titles are so many across the New Testament and the Old Testament, who Jesus would be, because he truly is all of these things and more. He is the wonderful counselor the ladies sang about. He is the gift that the children sang about. He is the lamb that was given, slain for our pardon, as Emily sang about. And the title that I want to lean into this evening is Hope of the Ages, that Jesus Christ truly is and was the only hope throughout every generation. And for that, I need you to go to Hebrews chapter number seven. And I want to encourage you this evening along the lines of Jesus being our hope, their hope, and any future hope that there ever will be. And throughout history, men have trusted in different things. People have trusted in different things. The people in this room throughout your life have trusted in different things. Perhaps at one time or another, your hope for eternal life was rooted in some some religious system or some church. Maybe your hope at one point in your life was your parents' faith and you believed, well, since they're believers, I'm going to be safe. Throughout all the generations, men have hoped in different things, different kings and kingdoms. They've hoped in themselves. They've hoped in religion. They've hoped in maybe even a sacrifice that maybe they could pay something or pay some level of penance. But in every single time a human being has hoped in anything, Outside of Jesus, their hope has been misplaced because truly Christ is the hope of every single age. And I really want you to grasp that. Go all the way back in your mind to when man fell in the garden and all the way forward in your mind to when Jesus returns. And from there to there, the only hope humanity has ever had and will ever have is Jesus Christ himself. There has never existed and there will never exist another method of hope whereby men might be saved. There'll never be another name under heaven given where men can come for redemption. Jesus is the hope of every single age. I want to lean into this idea found in Hebrews chapter number seven. If you're going there, we'll read in just a moment. But even in the Old Testament, the Old Testament was given by God as grace to fallen humanity. When man sinned in the garden, man was estranged from the 
perfect creator God, and man had no rightful access back into God. But through the Old Testament that God gave, it was grace that he was giving to humanity, whereby they might come back to him in a very modified way. You see, when, when in the Old Testament, there was a tabernacle and there was a temple where men could come and make sacrifice in hopes that they might attain some form of hope. But the Bible very clearly teaches us in Hebrews chapter 7 that all of those sacrifices and all of that blood that was shed was not enough to provide real hope. They were merely a shadow of the hope of the ages in Jesus Christ, that he himself would come, as Abraham said, to provide himself a sacrificial lamb. And that is precisely why Jesus is the hope of ages past, of ages present, and if the Lord tarries his coming, he'll be the hope of every living, breathing human being until he returns to call us home. We want to see this truth accented in Hebrews chapter 7. We'll start in verse number 19, and we won't be long tonight. I really just want to lean into this reality that Jesus is our hope, and he is the only hope. Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 19 says, For the law made nothing perfect. You understand in the Old Testament and all of the requirements and all of the commands and all of the obediences and all of the imperatives that the Old Testament gave, whether written by Moses or anybody thereafter, in all of those expectations and commands, the Bible tells us that nothing was ever made perfect. Nothing was ever purified and perfected so as to be back into the presence of God. So how do we have hope and how did they have hope and how will anybody after us have hope? What is the hope of the ages? Look at verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better, what's the word? Hope did. By the which we draw nigh unto God. What once was forbidden after the fall, man was banished from the presence of God. Only Aaron could come between the veil. But now all men could be drawn near unto God. Not because the law could make them perfect, but a better hope was able to make them perfect. And that hope has a name. And that name is Jesus. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, to draw men back to himself. Look at verse number 20. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. Now that's really important to say. Here's what he just said. That Jesus was made the priest after the promises that God had given. Well, what promises? A promise that David would have a true son that would reign in Israel. A promise that Abraham would have offspring that would come and bless the nations. The, the strength of Judah and the blessing of Jacob, all that we just sang about. There are promises all over the Bible that promised a better king and a better priest and a better mediator and a better testament would come who would bring us hope to bring us back to God. Verse number 21. For those priests, speaking of the Old Testament priests, were made without an oath. There was no promise of those priests. Uh, there was a command that after Levi, they would follow the priesthood. But there was no command or a promise that a better priest would come outside of Jesus. For those priests were made without an oath. But this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever, talking of Jesus forever after the order of Melchizedek. And here's what he's saying. And I know there's a lot there. We won't have time to unpack the priesthood of Melchizedek. We walk through it verse by verse in Sunday school hour at 10 o'clock. And you can go back and listen to that. But essentially what he's saying is before the law, before Moses, before David, before Abraham, there was a promise made that Melchizedek would bring us another and a better priest. And that person is Jesus. 
that all the way before the law and all the way after the law and all the way until Jesus returns, he is truly the hope of every single age. No man cometh to the Father but by him. There is no form of righteousness that you and I can attain through any measure of obedience, even to the Old Testament itself, cannot save you, could not make the comers thereunto perfect. There was no hope in that law, but there is hope through Jesus. Look at verse 22. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. He gave us a new testament or a new covenant or a better covenant. That Old Testament law condemns me. It shows me I'm guilty. When you think about the Ten Commandments, those are, those are commands to keep, but they're also commands that show us we can't keep them. That we would hate people in our heart or that we would lust after someone or that we would covet our neighbor's stuff or his spouse. Uh, the Old Testament in its entirety, as Paul says, was a taskmaster, a schoolmaster, showing us how guilty we were, bringing us not to redemption, in the obedience to it, but into a place of, hey, I am condemned and I need a redeemer. And this new covenant that Jesus gave us, this new testament through his blood illuminates, yes, who we are, but it also illuminates us to the who can save us. It shows us that that light came to light all men and that any man who would receive that light could be redeemed. Let's keep reading in Hebrews chapter seven. It says, and they truly were many priests in the Old Testament because they were not suffered or allowed to continue by reason of death. So one priest would serve and then he would die. And another priest would take his place and he would serve and he would die. And every priest, there was constantly a need for another priest to make another sacrifice year after year after year, which is why it was insufficient and which is why it brought no hope. But look at verse 24. But this man, Jesus, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. So the priests of the Old Testament could make sacrifices, but they couldn't even stay alive. But Jesus is a priest who's better. In fact, you can read the other passages in Hebrews 7 and in Hebrews 9 that show us that Jesus made one sacrifice forever and sat down and it was finished. And there's no more sacrifice because he ever liveth and maketh intercession for us. That he is a better priest to us. Look at verse 25. And this is the capstone verse of the whole thought. The hope of the ages. Wherefore he, Jesus, is able to also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Jesus truly is the only hope of salvation. He is the hope of the Old Testament Jew. He is the hope of the people before the Jews under Melchizedek. He is the hope even during the tribulation period. He is the hope of 2023 and 2024. He is truly the hope of all the ages. And he is able to save them. I love what the Bible says, to the uttermost. To the furthest possible extent, Jesus can redeem those who come to him. Let's just read it again. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth and maketh intercession for them. So yes, in Jesus' light, he shows me my condition, but he also shows me and illuminates the way back to God, that by him, the world can be saved. Jesus didn't come to the world to just illuminate their sin, though he does do that. And that's why men reject that light. We'll see that back in John chapter number one. You can go there with me if you would, where we started this evening. But he doesn't just illuminate my sin, but he also illuminates a path back to God, a path of redemption, a path of hope. And under the law, nothing was made perfect, but by the bringing in of a better hope. John chapter number one, we finished reading in verse number nine this evening as we started. We'll read there again, and then we'll pick up in verse 10. 
and then we'll finish out tonight. The Bible says in John chapter number one, verse number nine, that was that true light, speaking of Jesus, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of God of man, but of God. It is an amazing reality. I don't want to just say it's an amazing idea, though it is a great idea, but it's a, an amazing reality that those who come to Jesus, come to the Father by Jesus, they're made sons of God. They're not just sons of women. They're not just sons of men. They become, by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, they become the very sons of God. They get related to God by the blood of Jesus, not by the will of men, but by the will of God. He desires to save us. And listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't know what that light really is. He came to show you your sin, but he came to save you from it as well. He came not to condemn you, but to bring you a better hope that through him, you could become a child of the creator God brought back into the garden relationship we lost. We talked about some of that this morning, and even a little bit this evening, that we're invited back into that relationship, not by the law, not by your obedience, not by works, which we have done, but by his mercy, he saved us. He came to die on a cross in our place to give us redemption. And if you're here without Christ, you need to be saved. Become a child of God by the blood of Jesus. But if you're here and you are saved, what a thing to rejoice about. What a joy that the hope of the ages calls you his own. That he knows you and he loves you and he cares about you and he sees you and he's got the very hairs of your head numbered and he knows how many tears you've cried and he is ever thinking of you. What an amazing God and what an amazing hope that it isn't contingent on your obedience or some amount of good you can do, but by his mercy, he saved us. And church family, I just want to encourage you this, this week as we get ready to celebrate Christmas in seven or eight days to just think about the light that came into the world. He didn't have to come. He owed us nothing, but he promised us everything. If there was a promise that another king would come. There were promises that a better priest would come. There was promises made to Abraham, his offspring, and the true son of Jacob. And there was promises, uh, desire of nations, and Emmanuel, God with us, and Isaiah. There were promises that there would be hope throughout all ages because Jesus came to be that light.